0: Hello and welcome to the Locked on Flyers podcast for Thursday, December 19th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is super excited to have one of the smartest, funniest, and hottest of takes on today's episode, Hannah from Sabers Twitter. Hannah is the host of the Balls and Stick podcast, That's Offsides, and the Women Advantage podcast. So we are super excited to have her on today's episode. Yes, we love Hannah. She's super smart. I'm so excited. She is super smart and super sweet. <laughs> so, we're your hosts. I'm Danielle. And I'm Rachel. And as always, subscribe to Locked on Flyers on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you automatically get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. On today's episode, we are going to preview tonight's game against the Sabres and then follow up with some smart women in hockey talk with Hannah. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnFlyers, tweet us your questions for our weekly mailbag, or tell us what you think about how the Flyers are doing so far this season. You can email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. So, like we said, we are going to jump into some general notes uh, about the tonight's game against the Sabres before we talk to Hannah. So, this is the first of three games between these two teams this season. So far, the Sabres are 16, 12, and 7, and that's good enough for 2nd in the Atlantic Division. Most recently, in their 10 games, they are 5, 2, and 3. When we look at special teams, the Sabres are 15th on the power play, ahead of the Flyers, who are 19th, and are 28th on the penalty kill, behind the Flyers, who are 8th. So, with that said, let's jump into our questions with Hannah. All right, everyone. So like we previewed, we have Hannah from Saber's Twitter, but she's also the host of Balls and Sticks podcast, the That's offside Side podcast, and Women Advantage podcast. Hannah, thank you so much for being with us.
1: I'm so excited to be here. You guys are one of the locked on podcasts that I listen to regularly, so
0: it's really exciting. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks. That's so sweet. <laughs> okay, so tonight the Flyers are facing the Sabers and so we just have a few questions for you It gives a little bit of insight. This season, it seems like Jack Eichel is playing on another level. I mean, for those of us who don't watch him every night, what do you think that he's doing differently this season besides, like, shooting more? <laughs> so, it's really interesting that you say that because I was,
1: like, doing a bunch of research on why Jack has suddenly become the monster that he has, and it's only sudden if you... Like, if you're not a regular Sabres watcher, Um, but he isn't even shooting that much more. It's that he's actually shooting for accuracy now instead of shooting for, like, rebounds for other people, which is, like, I I guess a philosophy that you could have. (laughs) Um, But on top of that, he has just, like, decided that this is the year that he's going to become the player that kind of everyone expected him to be. And you see flashes of, like, a lot throughout his career. You've seen it, right? Like, there'd be games where he'd put the team on his back. But, you know, as we record this, it's it's a couple days before the game. Um, He's on a 16-game point streak, which, like, knock on yeah. wood, still going. That's <laughs> phenomenal. He has become the player that he was at BU and that he was in his pre-professional career. And it... Kind of reminds me of, like, Nathan McKinnon. I think it was the 17-18 season that he just went from being, like, a really good player in the league to arguably, you know, top three in the league now. And I'm not saying Jack is top three, though. So I think he yeah. might be. Um But he has, like, really leveled up his game in a way that we were all kind of just waiting for him to do. So, like, if he were a Pokemon, he'd be, like, in maybe not his final <laughs> form, but he's, like, he's leveled up.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I've heard people say that he has taken on the leadership role that he was expected to take on and that he's supporting his teammates on the ice better and he's saying the right things a little bit more often. Would you say that's true
1: in your estimation? That's kind of the vibe you're getting. Like, I got that a lot last Mm -hmm. year, but it's really hard to be, like, a supportive captain when your team is garbage. and. You know, he's also 23, and so I think that comes with the maturity of just, like, experiencing life. Like, he's the age now where most of his friends, when he was growing up, are probably just entering the workforce. So he's kind of, I think, maturing at, like, a normal rate. It's just we expect these 18 and 19-year-olds, when they enter the league, to be, like, mature, stoic robots. And Jack has never been that. He has um a lot of emotions on his face. (laughs) Yes. And I think this year he's done a better job of kind of controlling what he shows people, but also when he does show those flashes of frustration, it's never with his teammates now. It's more like with himself or like, you know, with the other team doing something mean.
0: Okay. The Flyers (laughs) and the Sabres were two teams this past offseason that made a coaching change. What do you think is the biggest change systematically that Kruger has implemented? So the Sabers' motto this year has been play connected and...
1: The beginning of the season was kind of rough Mm because, you know, new coach putting in new systems, you know, new leadership style. But it really does seem like they're finally starting to mesh and play as like a full five-man unit instead of, you know, sort of disjointed like three forwards doing what the forwards are doing and two defensemen doing what the defensemen are doing. It's more like they're a team playing as like a team instead of the like more disjointedness that they had under Phil Housley. Plus, I think it really helps that, I hate using the expression that a coach like quote unquote lost the room, but it was abundantly clear that the players had no respect for Phil Housley by the end of his tenure with the Sabres. And it's very clear that they really respect Ralph Kruger and that his like optimism and like honesty with his players has bought, like bought their loyalty in a way that I don't, I haven't
0: seen a coach get from this team in yeah. years. Speaking of Kruger, he said that the Olsson eichel reinhardt line is an elite line, and it's certainly been clicking like that recently. Do you see that line continuing to gain success and sticking together this season? I think yes. They had a rough patch kind of when the whole
1: team had a rough patch. Victor Olsson last year when he was in the AHL, um, had like a hot start to the season and then kind of looked in over his head for like 10, 15 games kind of like he did this year. And then it all of a sudden just like clicked. And I think um, that turnaround has really helped. And on top of that, um, I think working with a younger, not even younger, Victor's actually older (laughs) than Jack, but working with a less experienced player. Which is so weird to me, but I know, (laughs) I know it's true. But like working with that less experienced player has really helped Jack shine and really shown like Jack's defensive ability. And it's like helped hone his two way game. And so I'm hoping it sticks together, even though at the beginning of the season I was very mad that the Sabres had split up Eichel and Skinner because they had just given Jeff Skinner, you know, an eight million dollar contract and they were so good together last year. But so far it's working out for the team, even if Jeff isn't playing you know,
0: as great as he did last year, it's really hard to expect forty goals from him two years from now. So, um, another bright spot for the Sabres has been goaltending, specifically um, Allmark's play. He currently has a nine fifteen save percentage, which is above his like career average of nine eleven. Does this surprise you? And do you see him to be like a starter in the for the future or the Sabers? Kind of surprises okay. me. Yes and no. So last year the Sabres went on that
1: ten game win streak where the goaltending mm-hmm. really got them there. This year, their goaltending, especially from Linus Allmark, has been, you know, helping them. You know, you can't win unless your goaltender is, you know, giving you something. I don't necessarily expect him to maintain this hot streak just because last year the bottom did fall out in front, like, Mm -hmm. uh, from under him. But I think the defensive structure and just, like, the quality of the defense this year is better, which is helpful, obviously, for a goaltender. I think that he might trust his defense more this year than he did last year. Um, And I'd say he's probably the starter for the rest of this season and next season until Hutton's contract is done. And then the Sabres have one of my favorite little prospects. Um, He's a goalie. He's finished. Ukapeka Lukonen. I think that they're going to give him like a full season in Rochester next year. He started this year in the ECHL. He's in Rochester now, I think. They've been shuffling things around. Um, And then I think once Hutton's contract is up, they'll probably move. UPL up and then have Linus be the, you know, main starter. Well, UPL get some like NHL experience and then I think he'll probably take over. Hopefully, as long as he's as good as he seemed at all other levels. Just a follow up. Do you think that
0: he will start against the Flyers? I
1: would expect Almar to start against the Flyers unless something goes disastrously wrong okay. in their next game, which like you never know.
0: <laughs> That's so sad. You never. Do. <laughs> I mean, you really don't. <laughs> Let's jump right into our next question. This season seemed like a just a year for to further Casey Middlesat and Rasmus Dulling's development. Sunday, we found out that Middlesat got sent down to the AHL. And, I mean, Rasmus is back from injury. What's not clicking with their development or with them this season?
1: If I were allowed to swear, I would drop an F-bomb here <laughs> about um, how badly they've messed up Casey's development. Um he went from high school to one year of a struggling college program straight into the NHL, which doesn't usually turn out great, especially for guys who are a little physically underdeveloped, and he struggled. Um, he was kind of thrown into a position last year that he probably shouldn't have been in and maybe stunted his development a little. This year, I was more optimistic with the signing of Marcus Johansson. Casey's still struggled. Um, I think sending him down to the AHL is probably the best thing they could have possibly done for him, just confidence-wise. Also, learning the systems in a way that's maybe a little bit, just a little slower. Um, And then hopefully, hopefully, he'll be able to come up next year in, like, a kind of tyson Josty way um, and, you know, fit back into the, you know, systems again. Because he's, like, he's a top-ten pick, (laughs) and you really don't want to miss on those uh and as for doline um the sweetest baby in the whole wide world um rough starts the season and i think that was a just a new coach who was not hamming him so much as asking him to play a more defensively responsible game which if you've watched rasmus naline is not his game um and so he was kind of kind of figuring out before he was yet he a concussion which was terrible because he's 19 years old and his brain is still developing and I <laughs> hate it. Um, but since he's been back, um, he has looked a lot more like the Dahlien of last year. Um, he's taken some risks that have paid off. He's just like more fluid. He seems more connected with the team and with his play. He doesn't seem to be second guessing himself. And he's looked elite again. And it's a very small sample size of like two games. But I I think that his development because he's 19 years old, is going to kind of come and go in waves. And there's going to be games where you're like, oh, my God, he really is 19. And then there's going to be games where you kind of forget that because he's so good. And, you know, that's just it's just constantly reminding myself of that because he was the first overall pick and he did come in at 18 and played so well. So, you know, with him, I'm not really worried. With Middle Stat, I'm not
0: worried, worried, but I'm like tentatively nervous. I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh It's good yeah. to see that. It's it's good to hear that Rasmus is like getting back to his game. So with Middlestat out, who do you see as the third line center? I think they'll probably end up they'll probably end
1: up slotting in um, Rasmus okay. Asplund there, who has come up from the AHL this year, um, and he has done a really good job quietly. He's not flashy, but he. I like him a lot as kind of a a depth forward who can give you a lot on the PK and can get you some offensive generation even if he's not the one scoring. So I'm thinking he'll probably slot in there.
0: All right. So looking at um, the game against the Flyers, who on the Sabres do you think will be a difference maker in the game? Give us like a star player and then like a depth player that we might not or that Flyers fans might not know about. So...
1: I mean, like, the obvious answer yeah. is Jack is going to be a difference maker yeah. for the Sabres. So I'm not going to say that. Uh, I'm going to say that Daleen will be a difference maker and he's going to be a difference maker specifically on the power play. Uh, quarterbacking that top unit, like he, when he was out, it was very clear that him not being there was an issue for it. <laughs> and I think they went like two and 45. Oh my God. <laughs> um, it was real bad. And then he came back, and, you know, the power plays kind of generated again. Again, mm-hmm. small sample size, but I think he'll make a difference there. So Darlene is my, my yeah. you know, big guy. Um, and then as for depth players, um, I couldn't pick one because I love all of them. But look out for, for the Johan Larson, Kyle Oppozo, Zemgis Gergensen mm-hmm. line if that line's still together. They have been one of the best lines in the league this year. Shockingly, um, they have done a really great job of not just shutting down other teams' like best offensive lines, but also hemming those lines in like their own zone and tiring them out, so that the Eichel line can come out and then do the easy part of scoring. Easy part, <laughs> quote unquote.
2: <laughs> That's a really good pick. I, I'm a huge fan of Kyle Okposo,
0: awesome. and
2: yeah, and you know when he was on the Islanders, he made that team. Palatable for me. <laughs> <laughs> he was one of my favorites, and I, I actually got to watch him play a lot because I got to go to cheap games at Barclays, and uh, just always appreciated his effort. And again, I think you're right there with—he's the guy that tires everybody else out.
1: Yeah, and he—he's another one I worry about his yeah. brain. He had that really scary mm-hmm. concussion a couple years back, and he's had a couple since, but he's taken his time coming back from all of them and has really kind of adjusted to a more like fourth line shutdown role and not just like adjusted to it, but like embraced it and has become like, I'd say one of the Sabres like best forwards when it comes to like being there on the ice defensive and consistent, like him and Johan Larson together are so fun to watch. It's so fun to see how frustrated other teams are when you're like, Kyle Pozo is who's having me in my zone right now. Like, I just like, it's very funny to me and he's a wonderful person as well so yeah i'm really happy for him and i'm really glad that sabers fans have kind of stopped being mad that he isn't the like 60 point guy that he was in new in um long island and that he is like he's gonna get you maybe 30 but he's gonna do a really good job defensively and he's gonna have good on ice impacts and he's gonna be a good guy in the locker room for other players while actually bringing something to the team
0: Welcome back to Locked on Flyers. Hannah has graciously stuck around to discuss one of her podcasts, Women Advantage, which if you don't know, is a hockey podcast about the smartest women in hockey. So Hannah, I will hit you with a softball question. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did you get into hockey? So I grew
1: up in Cleveland, Ohio, where we didn't have a professional team, but the thing to do when you were like six to... 12 years old was go to the public ice rink and so I took figure skating lessons and a lot of my friends played hockey and so I'd go to their games that's basically like (laughs) in Cleveland Um, (laughs) and so I got into hockey from just like a understanding the game perspective at that level and then you know going to some Lake Erie Monsters games and then when I went to school in Buffalo um, I decided that it was time to pick a professional team and I was in Buffalo so I might as well like the Sabres which was a punishment because that was in 2011. Uh, and if people remember correctly, they have not made the playoffs since the 2010-2011 season. So oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, so I've been a fan of pain. Um, but yeah, I got into hockey just from like my friends played it. And so they kind of helped me understand it. Um And then, you know, I've never played myself because I am very injury prone, but love the game. It's beautiful, even if it's,
0: kind of yes. stupid i have to say i think i can speak for me and rachel we love your podcast it's it's so informative Absolutely. and it's rachel. just it's so good and it's just so something that you you just don't hear anywhere like i listen to hockey podcasts i listen to basketball podcasts there's nothing like this um so i'm so happy you started it but what made you start this podcast Uh, selfishly,
1: I kept going to hockey conferences and meeting really cool women and having these, like, awesome conversations with them. And then, you know, being friends on Twitter and not having any more, like, cool, in-depth conversations. And I really wanted those. And so I decided that a good way to get people to talk to you is to ask them to be on your podcast. So (laughs) I decided to do that. And then I kind of put out into the Twitterverse, like, if I did this, would anyone be interested? And the feedback I got was, like, please do this. So... I figured I had a mic. I already knew how to do a podcast because I have a couple. I, I might as well do it because I figured if I really wanted to hear what, you know, these cool women were doing in the
0: sport that other people probably did too. Very true. You're, you were right. Cause we do want to hear it. Um. <laughs> so what do you want your listeners to gain from listening to Women's Advantage? I want it to be a place where listeners can
1: understand that
0: you can come to hockey
1: at, you know, 50 and completely understand it and be great at being a reporter or an analyst. Or you can come to it having played from the time you were five. And like there's so many different ways to be a hockey fan or contributor to the community. And I also I am not a contributor to the community in the way that like a reporter is or someone who's really good at analytics is. So I figured this was also my way to like do that. And I want people to feel like they can do that too. So I want it to be a way for people to understand that they can be involved in the sport if they want to.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I know, yeah. I love that. And I think that it translates really well over into your episodes. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing I found is that
1: most people like want to help other people get involved and they want to open doors once they're in the room. And so the biggest thing I've learned from this podcast is just like ask, just like ask someone to help you do something and they there's a good chance they will.
2: Yeah, it's so true. I, I found that to be the case with so many people in the hockey community, but I think women particularly.
1: Yeah, it the kind of the overarching theme is somebody helped me get here. And so I think that it's my duty to help someone else and I think that's a really awesome mentality, and I wish that, you know, more people had it, but every single one of my guests has so far, and they've all been wonderful, and I love them so much.
2: (laughs) So uh, along those lines, what are some of the best moments you've had so far on the podcast in in terms of things you've learned or perspectives you've gained?
1: So I think a lot of it is, it translates really well to real life as well, but some of the advice that you know, my guests have given about how to get more people involved and how to make more hockey more inclusive. It's been a lot of listen and, you know, do like help people get there. And I think that that's been a big insight, even if it's kind of something you understand, you understand, like inherently, it's nice to hear someone say it. And a big thing for me, I was really fortunate. I had Jeshvina Shah on, uh, I pre-record a lot of my episodes, but I had her on, and the episode came out right as a lot of the turmoil and hockey was starting. And that was just a really important conversation because she's one of the few women of color who is like very active and loud in hockey and has like a paying job in the sport. And so having that conversation with her is incredibly important. And everyone should listen to every episode, but especially that one.
2: Yeah, I loved that conversation. And, you know, I've been following her on Twitter for years now. And, have met her in person a number of times but I think despite knowing as much as I do about her and her perspective I still learned something new listening to your show.
1: Yeah and I think with with all these people they've overcome a lot in the game or like in their current role but I think with Jeshina especially it was very clear that like it's it's hard to be a woman in hockey and it's especially hard to be a woman of color in hockey. And so we need to support the people who are involved in the sport, who aren't your traditional hockey media members, um, especially right now. And we need to back them up when they say that something is wrong because listening to people who have those lived experiences, um, is really important and people don't do it as much as they should
0: yeah I definitely would agree that was probably one of my favorite episodes just because it's so good to hear someone that like echoes how you feel and like doesn't apologize for it I feel like Joshina like really just says what she says what she feels and what she thinks and that's it like she's not going to apologize for it which I think is something that like you know a lot of people do and I find myself doing that in certain like aspects of my life so it's just good to see that and see her confident in her beliefs yeah. It was one
1: of the like best conversations I've had in hockey full stop, not just
0: on the podcast. So I was really excited that she came on. So wrapping it up, we have one more question for you. Um what do you think are have your guests said about women gaining more prominent roles in hockey ops side of business? So
1: it's not hmm. happening fast enough <laughs> is the biggest thing. Um in a lot of organizations it's not happening at all. And a lot of it isn't just, like, getting a woman as, like, your token woman in your front office. It's getting women in from the ground up. So Catherine Silverman had a lot of really awesome things to say about the Arizona organization and what they're doing from a literal grassroots level of, like, hockey in Arizona. But she said that every time they went and did a camp for kids, they tried to make sure there was at least one, one woman, if not two, there so that little girls would always see that like there was somebody who played hockey that looked like them and like that is incredibly important so getting people in kind of from the bottom up and creating that pipeline has been a big thing that we've noticed and i really like what seattle is doing with their hockey ops department yeah i'm very hopeful that they are successful because it's a copycat league And if they're successful with a diverse group of people, you know, helping to make decisions, I think that other teams will have no choice but to follow suit. One of my biggest frustrations now is a lot of teams are like, well, we hired a woman as a scout or as a coach. But are you listening to what they're saying? Is there women across your organization or is it this one that you've kind of hired as your, again, token woman to say that you've done it? And not only are they in the room, but are you listening to them? Because that's very important. Um, Seattle has Alex, I think it's McGilney. I may have butchered, I butcher names. So it's very possible that I said that wrong. But she was in the room and she said, what if we have female training staff, we have female coaches and we have like other women who need to be in the locker room? Where are they supposed to shower? Where are they supposed to change? And that wasn't even a thought that had crossed the front office's mind. And so when, as they're designing and building this arena, they're putting in stall staff who work with the team to have a shower and a place to change where they can feel comfortable away from the team so they don't have to, like, do that in the same space that the men are. And that's just, like, having that voice in the room made a difference. And, like, having someone listen made that difference. You don't know what you don't know, but you also can't grow and learn if you don't bring someone in who does know.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I've been in, obviously not, to the scale of the NHL, but I, but I've been in those circumstances before where I've been, you know, the only woman in the room Mm -hmm. dealing with, you know, a hockey community. And it is important to have those voices there because arrangements like that are just never made. And so, you know, I'd love to see teams change. And I do think that when Seattle is successful on this front, and I say when purposefully, yeah, that other teams will take note and change should happen much more quickly.
1: Yeah, I I will also add that it's not just a hockey problem. I have friends who work in other professional sports who are in, you know, marketing departments or, you know, game day operations departments. And they face a lot of the similar challenges that women in hockey face. Um, it's just... But, like, I'm in the hockey community, and so that's why I did this podcast. So, like, though hockey, I think, does have have it a little bit worse because it is so insular, um, like, we need to support women who want to get into sports um, because the culture in pretty much every sport is very um, masculine and toxic.
0: And, and not to bring up and go on a tangent, which unfortunately I always do, but you know, with the women's hockey wanting the NHL to like step in and, and they reference like, you know, the NBA and the WNBA. Well, like the WNBA, WNBA isn't like perfect. Like you talk to those, the women who play in the WNBA and it's just, there's, they go, they're still going through and they're still fighting for basic needs and rights and. Yep.
2: And they all play in Europe.
0: Exactly. In seasons.
1: Yeah. And, and it's great that the NBA has done a good job of, you know, helping that league to grow, but it's, it's still not nearly as successful as it could be. And I think a lot of that is like culturally, we still don't view women's sports as as valuable as men's sports, which is an entire other issue, but relying on the professional men's league to create your league, set the standard and set the standards, I think is, not the approach I would take just because if they do that, then they're allowed to do a lot and like have a lot of involvement when
0: maybe that's not ideal. It's a lot. So like basically put women in the room and put a ton of us and listen to us. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Indeed. I, I think that having women in the room can only make the conversation more robust and maybe that isn't what people want maybe they want people to just agree with them and a bunch of yes men but that's not going to move the sport forward so you have to have uncomfortable conversations to make good like sweeping changes
0: that's that well hannah we want to thank you so much for coming on and talking to us, not only about the Sabres, but about your podcast. That's amazing. And we want to thank you so much for coming on here, but also for what you're doing and starting this podcast and, and starting the conversation and continuing the conversation. Yeah, where if anybody wants to listen, we'll obviously link the podcast, but go ahead and tell us where they can follow You can find my podcast at Woman Advantage
1: uh, on Twitter, um, or you can find all of them in my Twitter bio, which is HBurrito92,
0: because I am a mature 27-year-old adult. We love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We'll be back again tomorrow to recap the Sabres game. And finally, it's time for our gritty thing of the week. Don't forget to send us your questions via Twitter at Flyers or by email at flyers at gmail.com. I'm Danielle, and you can find me on Twitter at Danielle underscore Nick. That's Danielle underscore N-I-C-C. And I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at R-Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. If you'd like to be a featured sponsor on the show, please email us at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. And you can always find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good day.